We have a couple of readings, uh, but they're short. Genesis chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made a woman, and he brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Our second reading is the previous chapter, chapter 1, and verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Let's just read the next one. For God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Let's pray. Father, take your word now and inscribe it in every heart. Oh, help us to see you, Lord, tonight. Lord, your good and your mercy endures forever. Even as we've been singing, Lord, we believe that with all of our hearts. Glorify yourself in this house tonight, we pray. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. I want to speak tonight on bearing the image and likeness of God. Bearing the image and the likeness of God. We read in the, the, the scriptures that Adam or man was created by God from the dust of the earth. And we're told that Adam becomes a living soul. When God who takes the dust of the earth, we're told the idea of forming man is he distresses the clay. In other words, the if we can put it, the particles, the atoms, God distresses it and forms a man out of it. And the term living soul means when God breathed into his nostrils, man became a living soul. Now the word soul is the word nefesh. And let me tell you what nefesh means. It means the seat of emotions or the seat of our appetites. And our passions. It gives the idea of the activity or the intelligence of one's mind, the will and the character of the man. It is the idea of the living, passionate being that is the inner being, the inner man, the inner woman. It gives the idea of the inner person themselves, himself or herself. The person or the individual. That's what the soul is. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You are a soul. 
The real you inside of you. The real man and woman that only you and God knows that none others know. The real intelligence, the thought, the will, the passion, the character, the activity of the mind. All things to do with it. The the living passionate being that is within you. That is the soul, the real you. You are a soul. Now in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, the Lord says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now these words, will not go into all the Hebrew words. They're different words. But the idea here of the image of God and the likeness of God are different. For example, notice what he says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. The Lord does not say, let us make man in our image and our likeness. For the word and puts a different spin on the whole of the Hebrew idiom. In other words, God says we will make man in our image after our likeness. And the idea is that they would be fashioned and formed and become something to be like him. Not God Almighty. But to be like him. I'll explain it in a moment. There's no and and there's no, there's no and in between image and likeness. The word image relates to man's indelible constitution. Notice this. Of a rational and a moral responsible being. The image of God is the real you. In other words, the image of God is the man and the woman who are rational. The rationale of a man. The rationale of a woman. The morality, that is the image of God in you. We all have that image. All of us, every one of us, saved and unsaved, no matter who you are, we all bear the image. In other words, we are passionate, we are living, that is, we are creative, we are intelligent, we have morals. But the problem is that morals are only standardized by someone else's morals. That's why our nation is going down the drain. We're going by other people's morals. Morals of homosexuality are put into our nation. Morals of homosexuality are put into the schools. And those morals are degrading the moral responsibility of men and women in our nation and indeed around the world. You see, so your morals and my morals may clash. Your morals may be higher than mine or mine than yours. So what is the standard of morals? It was in the Garden of Eden before there was a fall. Before there was sin. God says now here is a man with a moral standard. With rationale. A living, breathing, passionate, active man. He has his own will. His own character. His inward being. He says but I will fashion him to be like me. I will make him in my likeness. So the image here is that moral quality that everyone has, whether it is a fallen moral quality or not. So at the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that likeness of God only comes from communion with God. I want to say it again. I want you to get it into your spirit. That likeness of God only comes From communion with God. Fellowship with God. You can't like someone if you don't know someone. 
And you can't be like someone if you don't follow someone or get to know someone or have something to do with that someone. So Adam walked in the cool of the day and the Lord walked and spoke to Adam. When I was praying yesterday, I went away over the fiends with my dog and he's running around there and I said, Lord, there's only me and you this morning here and it was fresh morning and the, the, the grass was soaking wet and my jeans were covered with, with, with the dew of the grass and I stopped in the middle of the field and there's no one else around me as far as I could see. And I said, Lord, what did you say to Adam? What was it like with that communion when you said you would make him in the image, but the likeness, after your likeness. Lord, make us after your likeness. Adam lost that likeness. And the moral quality of Adam's race went downhill. Degenerated to what we have tonight. In fact, degenerated until the days of Noah when our Lord sent the flood. That communion, that walk, that fellowship with Almighty God. Him in the cool of the day. Imagine that personal relationship with God. Do you know you have that believer tonight? Do you know you have that communion and God speaking to you through his word and God speaking to you when you're in prayer and God coming and drawing alongside of you? Do you realize you have that communion and God is drawing you near to bring you close to him that he would make you after his likeness? That which was lost in the garden is gained in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me go on a moment. At the fall, the likeness was lost. But even after the flood, when the world was filled with violence and corruption, when the world was at its, its end and its tether, its cup was filled, its cup was full, and the wrath of God was poured out upon the world with the great deluge, even after that, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their three wives... It talks about the people who were there that they were still in the image of God. In other words, they had passion. They had an activity of mind. They had character, emotion. They had a will. They had the, 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 the being of appetites. Just like you tonight and just like me. That's why people's appetites are tried to be fulfilled and fed on the things of the world. For their likeness has gone and the, the likeness of God from their being, the, the drawing power and the fulfillment that is in Christ has left them. That's why you see the people running from one relationship to another. Uh, one night stands and you see all of the, the sin that goes on in our land because man's moral quality has fallen for he has fallen away from the likeness of Almighty God as it were through the word of God and through the spirit. Far away from God, Adam fell in the garden. Their sins had separated them from God and the likeness, let's make man in our image. After our likeness. Not and our likeness. Or God would have done it there and then. He was speaking, calling, drawing, moving, helping, blessing. And God still wants to do it for you tonight. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. Notice this. After the flood. We're told that men are still made in the image of God. 
And that's why the word of God shows to us, reveals to us, displays for us who God really is. What his will is, his plan and his purpose, speaks to us and reveals to us of God himself. Now here's a thought for us all that I want to look at this evening. If we are made in the image of God, or since we are made in the image of God, since God has breathed into Adam's nostrils, as it were, and Adam's race, and he becomes alive, since we are like that, then it shows you what God is like. In other words, God is a God of will. God is a God of emotion. For example, he is love. John tells us God is love. God is an emotional will. God loves you. And that shows you God has emotion. God is a God of compassion. But God is a God of anger. And God is a God of wrath. And God is a God of disgust. God is a God of disgust. He is disgusted at the way our nation is. He is disgusted at the way things are happening in the church. He is disgusted at the way sin has went. The moral fiber and quality of our nation has sunk so low. I think we're near ready for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is a God of will. He is a God of emotion. God is passionate. Can I prove that? Absolutely. Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. The Lord says, For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. The Lord says to Israel, Now listen, he'll say it to you tonight. He's saying it to us. Thou shalt not worship any other God. No other God. I'm the only one. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Now here's the problem here. Jealousy is usually a destructive emotion. Jealousy is usually a destructive emotion and a destructive passion. Listen to what the Bible says about jealousy. Proverbs 6 and 34. For the jealousy is that for jealousy is the rage of man. You get a jealous wife or a jealous husband. They can destroy a marriage. They can destroy a home. They can destroy a woman. They can destroy a woman's lifestyle. They can destroy a woman's health. They can attack a woman. Jealousy is a rage. And the Bible says, for jealousy is the rage of man. Listen to what it also says in Numbers 5 and 30. It says that if a man is jealous over over his wife, he's to take take her before the law. See what God says about it. But listen to what it says. It talks about it being called the spirit of jealousy. If you're jealous about a brother or another sister and what they can do or what gifts or talents they have, you have the spirit of jealousy. If you're jealous for no reason, you have a spirit of jealousy. But the Bible speaks of a godly jealousy. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. Paul speaks of this. Let's read from verse 1. Would to God ye bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, he says. Notice, I am jealous jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. 
But I fear lest by any means. Notice, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Notice where Paul refers to, he refers to the creation and the fall in the Garden of Eden. He says, the serpent, the devil comes. And you know what the serpent did? You know what the devil did? He took, he robbed. He killed off mankind, as it were. For in that sin, man was separated from God. In that sin, that after likeness of God had gone. And in that sin, death came because of it. You see Paul referring back to that jealousy. But Paul says, I have a godly jealousy over you. I'm protecting you. That no one will try to turn you away. I'm protecting you with a godly jealousy. There's a jealousy that has a purity. A godly jealousy that has a love. A godly jealousy that holds on to you. And does not let you go because he wants to bless you. It's a jealousy that holds nothing in itself. And wants to give all the time. That is the sort of godly jealousy. It's not a destructive jealousy. And it's not a destructive emotion. God is jealous. Over you tonight. God says I don't want you to worship. See what had happened here. Uh, I'll just give you briefly. as in Exodus chapter 34. Before that Moses had went up the mountain. To get the ten commandments. As we know the glory of God came down. Moses had the commandments. God sends Moses down for Aaron. And took the golden earrings off. And formed a calf. And of course they're worshipping around this golden calf. Moses comes down, breaks the commandments. And Israel has broken the commandments before God. There's a symbol of it in typology. And of course what happens is God in his grace, God in his mercy gives another chance. Thank God for his other chance. His second chance and his third chance and his million chances. Praise God for his grace. This is a chapter of grace. For the Lord comes and says, look, start again. And maybe you've said I've went wayward, start again. Maybe you've said I've backslidden in heart, start again. Maybe you said there's no hope for me. Yes, there is. God says, start again. Start again tonight. Start again in your walk with him. Start again and pick yourself up and move on with him. For he is the God, not only of the second chance, he is the God of a million, million chances. He's a wonderful savior. This is a chapter of grace. And that's why the Lord then says, he says unto Israel, listen, thou, for thou shalt worship no other God. He says, I love you. He is chasing them. He is passionate about them. And he's passionate about us tonight. He's passionate. For thou shalt worship no other God. Notice, for the Lord whose name is jealous. It's in my character to be passionate about you. For before the foundation of the world, God had placed his love in us. God had placed his love in you. So God is jealous over you tonight. He is passionate and he is a passionate God. And he proved his love and his passion to us as he put away the sin question that was in Adam. By revealing himself through his word, by preaching through the prophets, by signs and wonders, but in full manifestation did our Lord prove his passion and his love for you when he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the cross of Calvary. Now that is passion. That is jealousy, a godly jealousy. 
And he says, I love you and I want to redeem you. In other words, he chased me up. He chased you up until you and I gave in to him. It's called irresistible grace. Notice this. I want to read something from a man called Eric McManus. It's from a book called Soul Cravings. I quote him. This is the story of God. He pursues you with his love and pursues you with his love. And you have perhaps, perhaps not said yes. And even if you reject his love, he pursues you ever still. It was not enough to send an angel or a prophet or any other. For in the issues of love, you must go yourself. So God has come. This is the story of Jesus. That God has walked among us and he pursues us with his love. He is very familiar with rejection but is undeterred. And he is here even now pursuing you with his love. Isn't that beautiful? To think that even though that I rejected him many times. To think that I was dead in my trespasses and in my transgressions and sins. To think that I was walking my own way. Yet the image of God, this passionate being, God loved my soul. And God loved yours. And he's passionate. Passionate about you tonight. God just does not airy, furry, and love you as one of these things here today and gone tomorrow. God has been passionate about you and passionate about me before we were born. He was passionate about us before Adam fell in the garden. He was passionate before he spoke the words into being. He was passionate in glory in eternity past about you and about me. And he called us with his great passion. He hunted me down and he chased me until I turned on to him. Praise his holy name. Oh, he's passionate about you tonight. Lord, do you love me? He says, love you. I'm passionate about you. I'm passionate. You see, the same passion you feel, the same will and emotion and character, the same intelligence and intellect, the thought life that spins around our heads and in our hearts, that same will and person who's really inside you, God loves it. God loves him. God loves her because he says, that's my image. He says, I know how you feel for I am the intelligent, passionate being. And he hunted me down and he hunted you down and he waited through time till we reached the place, the point, the day, the night, the afternoon, wherever we were, till we heard the gospel of saving grace and he called us and he saved us. Oh, bless his holy name. Bearing the image of God. You're bearing the image. What are you doing with it tonight? You don't have a soul, you are a soul. And God wants you to bear his image well. But God wants us to be made after his likeness. Lord Jesus Christ, that perfection, that sinless, spotless Lamb of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, he in whom there was no blemish. Notice, there wasn't a blemish in him. 
Not one blemish in him. If you look at him, there was not one blemish. Yet he bears the scars, the wounds in his hands and feet and side. And the father loved him so much. The father loved him so much. That the father gave you an eye to him. Isn't that tremendous? That perfect one. That the Father loved him so much that the Father wants to make millions more like him. We'll never come to his standard. And maybe I'm saying wrong before you, Lord, and I apologize. I don't mean to. The Lord can do all things. The Lord could make whatever he wants out of whatever he wants and whoever he wants. But oh, to match Jesus, who could ever match the Lord? There's no one like him. There is none like him. He loves you. And the Lord says, for he is a jealous God. Let me read that little verse to you one more time. For the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. Let me read you another translation of this. For he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. It's not beautiful. For he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. Christian, how's your relationship? Are you being fashioned and formed after his likeness? He's passionate about meeting you. He's passionate about listening to your prayer life. He's passionate about hearing you singing praises unto him. He's passionate when you sit down and read his word. He wants to talk to you, commune with you, and fellowship with you. He is passionate about you. Little old me, Lord. He says, little old you. He says, I love you. I'm passionate about you. And oh, the world could throw us out. And people could walk away from us. And people could leave us. And all the world may change. But the love of God will never change. He is passionate about his people tonight. And he will always be passionate about you. He's a wonderful Lord. He's a wonderful Savior. Yes, that which was lost through Adam's fall is regained in Christ. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 20. I'll tell you, let me read this just before we go there. Matt Chandler. Matt Chandler writes a book, and listen to what he says on this. He writes, speaking of the Lord, he loves you. That should be enough, shouldn't it? Let me say it again. He loves you. God knew you were going to be messy. God knows that you were going to mess up. That's what the cross is all about. You're going to feel, stumble, and feel dirty and awkward. The whole point of the cross of Christ is that there would be a mighty picture of his love and pursuit of you despite you. The cross is necessary because of you, but it is also the picture of how far God is willing to go because he loves you. That's what the cross is about. He loves you. He's passionate about you. He loves you tonight. That which was lost through Adam's fall is now found in our Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, can I ask you tonight? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do another week. I don't want to go too... Far enough. I think we've done enough. Can I ask you tonight? 
How's your love life with him? He's always loving you. Believer, Christian, he's always loving you. He's always looking for you to fellowship with him. He's always calling you. Come and pray. Come and talk to me. Bring me your worries. Bring me your fears. Bring me your strife. Bring me your stresses, your problems. Come on to me, neighbor, and I'm heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Here he says, I love you. I am passionate about you. He loved you from before the foundation of the world. And all through time and space, eternity, through the, through the whole of creation, through Adam, through the fall, and that loss of likeness, mankind's moral standards dropped. They became depraved. And in our depravity of our human nature, we find our inability to save our own selves. We walked away from him. We fall into sin. The deepest died sinners. No matter what the sin is. The deepest die of sinners. The deepest depths of sin. That a man and a woman could fall into. God still loved them. And he still loved me. And he still loved you. And he looked upon us and he says. I love you. I'm passionate about you. But when God saves you. He's jealous over you. You're mine. He wants to bless. He wants you to be encouraged in him. Strengthened by him. He wants to lift you up. and He wants to put those great everlasting arms underneath and round about you. He wants you to know that you are his and he is yours. And all is well with him when you're in Christ. He wants you to know that he loves you. And he's passionate about you. Passionate about your relationship. He's passionate about your love life with him. Passionate about the prayer life, worship life. How you walk and conduct yourself as the image of God. That rationale, that moral being. High as the morals. Oh, let the likeness of God come. The likeness of God can only happen through communion and fellowship. The likeness of God can only happen to a man and a woman through the moving, the prompting of the Holy Ghost and through the through the word of God being imprinted in our minds and impressed on our hearts and inscribed in our very being. Walking according to the word of God. He's passionate about you. Will you get passionate about him? What about us getting passionate about him? Just you and him. Never mind the one beside you or myself. Say, Lord, see from tonight, I want to be passionate about you. I want to be passionate about you, Father. Passionate about you, Lord Jesus. For he is passionate about you. Bearing the image and the likeness of God. After the likeness of God. So God wants to consecrate us. God wants to conform us or transform us by the renewing of our minds. God wants to take us. And God wants to bless us. For he's passionate about us. About you. God bless his word tonight. Let me do another one next week. And look at how... There's a marriage here. You can see the whole fall of humanity and the, uh, the setup of marriage. You know, and they're trying to change the definition of marriage. And in this, God shows the animal kingdom. And God makes a woman. He doesn't, sh- 
say, go and have some bestiality relationship and go and have a homosexual relationship. He says, here, here I want you to have a heterosexual relationship. He says, I'm not sure. Help me. And learn from relationship with you and me. And love one another. And be passionate. Thank you for your attention. It's tremendous tonight. The Lord always blesses his word. His word will not return unto him void. Billy, do you want to sing?